Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Isn't it great? I love, uh, I love the kids. I just feel so much younger, don't you? Well, this is a, um, this is a, a kind of a, um, an interesting day for me because uh, yesterday, this time last year, I had a heart attack. And so I was in the hospital. So this morning, I was waking up a year ago in ICU and uh, recovering from a surprise. And uh, so yesterday was kind of an interesting day. I was going to head up to the mountains and alone. My wife's out of town again this year, this time every year. And uh, I decided not to go. I decided to just stick around and just play it safe. I didn't want my wife to have to fly home early. wanted her to stay and enjoy uh, the, the, the fun that she's having and the fellowship and the encouragement. So, uh, but it's just been an interesting day yesterday. Just uh, spent most of it alone. Spent, had some time, conversation, and a few friends. But um, just kind of reflecting on that day a year ago. It's pretty crazy to think that uh, here I am. And I, a lot of you probably feel the same way about something that's happen in your life. George, good to have you. On the 20th of February, you had a stroke, and uh, here you are. A year later, you're back. So we're glad you're with us. So thanks for joining us. Uh, We're talking about the church, and uh, the church, you know, is not an organization. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's, It's people relating to people, and it happens in a lot of different settings. It could happen on the beach, as we know. It could happen in a building. Uh, it could happen in a home. It's happening all over. In fact, there's like 2.2 billion believers that gather or assemble at some point during the week uh, to uh, remember the Lord and to grow and to uh, be charged up and encouraged uh, regarding the vision of the church. And so uh, this happens all over. And we happen to be talking about enjoying people in the context of the church. And again, this morning, it's doing life together as the church. That's how we do life. We do life together as a church. But we need to keep in mind what the church is as we look back to Ephesians chapter 2 and learn that Paul, from Paul, uh, two things about the church and about us assembling together this morning. But why did the early church gather? Uh, I just wanted to remind us again of why it all started in the first place. It started because of an event. Something happened in history that changed people's mindset about God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If the resurrection hadn't happened, we would not be assembling. But because of the resurrection, that Jesus predicted his death, went to his death, he died, he rose again, and on the basis of that, believers around the world have been gathering ever since to remember that event. The historical event of the resurrection, power of life given to us is because of Jesus' resurrection. It's why the church meets. It's why the church gathers. It's why we're here this morning. Uh, Church used to meet in homes. Church used to meet in catacombs. Underneath Rome, there were catacombs where, where people were buried, and it was a great place for uh, the early church to meet because Roman authorities kind of stayed out of that area, and so during the time of persecution, the churches were able to continue meeting. Uh, they met in local businesses, and 
throughout Rome, you can actually go and see some of the places the church has met that were actually warehouses. And uh, you'd see inscriptions on the side of the wall and all sorts of things that indicate that, that the church met there. Um, but they all met for one reason, to gather together and ex- express excitement and enthusiasm over this new life that they received in Christ and to figure out what to do with it. That's the early church. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to continue in this idea that we enjoy people best when we stay connected with one another. And it just so happens the best place to stay connected is the local church. Al can look a lot different in other parts of the world. It can, you, you can be part of this assembly. Maybe you're part of another assembly. There's a lot of them happening all over the South Bay and all over the California and the United States and around the world. Happening in all different places. In different ways. Summer meetings still in homes. Um, summer gathering like that. But all of them seem to resemble uh, this pattern that we find in, uh, in the scriptures. And so we're going to look at Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 again and look at this supernatural power through the resurrection that 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 causes people that typically can't get get along to get along and come together and to become different to become like a body to become like a family to become members like citizens of a nation Paul says or to become stones of the building. We gather together because of this event, and this is what it looks like. And so that's what we're going to do, is we're going to look at just two simple things. I'm going to tell a couple stories, and I really want to encourage us to continue telling stories. Last week, we told some stories at the end of our message. And I want to end a little early, and I want to turn us into little smaller groups, and I want to encourage us to continue telling our stories about how we are connected. Because there's two things that we learn in Ephesians chapter 2. Two things. First of all, are you part of us and are you committed to us? And I mean us collectively as the body of Christ. doesn't necessarily mean this church. It could be another church. It could be another environment. It could be another place where you find your church that functions like a church, that's centered on the resurrection of Christ, where there's worship and teaching, there's oversight, where there's a mission. All of those components that make up the assembly, the ecclesia, the assembly of God. But in this passage, we learn two things. Are you part of us, and are you committed? One talks about belonging. The other one talks about how we behave as the church. So belonging and behaving. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I just wanted to look at it just briefly again with you, because um, there's just no better teaching. There's just no better instruction for us about how the church is structured and how we are to behave as the church than this passage. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, the first uh, 17 verses, all the way actually verse 18 verses of chapter 2, 11 to 22, 11 to 18, describe how we belong. And Paul goes way back and talks about how Jews and Gentiles who couldn't get along, are now able to get along. And he talks, he says that we were all formerly members, that is, we were formally apart from Gentiles. We were these Gentiles that were formally apart from 
the local body or the Jewish community. We were called the uncircumcision, Paul says. He's talking about these Gentiles who were formerly alienated, separate. And then he, Paul goes on to talk about this, this other group, uh, the commonwealth of Israel, the Jewish people. There's another group of people. And these two peoples were actually separate from one another. And something happens that brings them together. Strangers coming together. And we see this in this passage. They were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenant of problems. Having no hope without God. Yet something happened. Jesus Christ, who was formerly afar off, for those who were formerly far off, were brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who made both groups into one. Broke down the barrier, the dividing wall, it all comes down. The enmity comes, is, is, uh, enmity is removed, and the two become one. You see that? I think what Paul's teaching us here is that we all belong. It doesn't matter which group you come from. The Jewish group or the Gentile group, you belong. We're part of one body. It's who we are. And you belong. And you play a role. Because in the context of this passage, what's going on is that Israel had something really special that God gave them. They had the law. And he even talks about it here, that the commonwealth of Israel, the, the, these people had something. They had this this law that was given to them that was very, very special, that God gave them, but he didn't give them the law in order to isolate from other people, but actually to be a light to the nations. Isaiah 48 reminds us that their privilege was given to them so that they might be a light to other nations. They were given something beautiful, the moral law of God. Here's what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. This is, here's, the, here's the way in which you would conduct your life. And yet they turned that into something that divided them as opposed to united them. And I think hidden in this text here is a truth. The thing that God gives us, the, the valuable, valuable thing that God gives us, whether it's um, some privilege that God has given us, and God's given us great privileges, he may, has, may have given you your health, your wealth, your opportunities, your education, your talents. There's a lot of things that God gives us. Those are never to be used to divide us, but to be given to unite us when we use them in the right way. And I think the first message here this morning is you belong because God is uniting us on the basis of the things that God has done for us. The strengths that he's given us, he wants us to use them in order to unite, not divide. So we've got to ask the question, what is it? What is it that I have that is no longer mine as a possession? What do I have that I need to give away to unite, to help other people belong, to include others? See, that's, that's the work that we have to do. All because of Christ. See, Christ has, has changed our, our thinking from, here's what typically happens. We get something really valuable. 
we often use it. Human nature tells us to use it in order to value ourselves. So we create self-worth on the basis of it, whether it's money, social status, education, a talent, whatever it is. We, we often compare and compete and use it to establish our own self-worth in light of other people. Don't we do that typically? I mean, there's a lot of times we do that. I, I feel like I've done that. I've done that in my own life. And what Paul is saying is don't turn the thing that God has given you, the good thing, the good resource, into something that divides you, that causes you to compete with people, but turn it around and realize because what Christ has done to unite us, it's no longer your identity. It's now something you use in order to bring others in. So we have to see ourselves differently in this passage. We all belong, every single one of us. Uh, and, and the question becomes, what do you have that you need to give away? Because it's no longer the thing you hold on to, it's the thing you give away. Maybe it's a perspective. Maybe it's your position in the world. Maybe it's um, your education. It may be your wealth. It could be something you have. Um, I have a dear friend, Joseph Hamilton. We planted churches together, same time. River Church, uh, one in Christ Church was planted the same time, 13 years ago. Joseph planted his church in uh, Los Angeles. We planted it here in the South Bay. And we've known each other ever since. And we've connected. And every time we connect, and we're due for a, a time to connect together again, we find that we encourage one another. That we, we have more things in common than we do in that, that are different than, than ourselves. And that I bring something to the table to encourage him. He brings something to the table to encourage me. And the way we look at it is, what do you need? Uh, it's like, what, what do you need that we have, and how can we help you, and what do you have that can help us? We've changed our perspective on the church when we realize we all belong. We're all part of the church. And uh, I love those times because I feel like I get to encourage him I give him a perspective, he gives me a perspective, and keeps me going, encourages me. The second thing that I want to look at here in this passage, just briefly, is not only that you belong, but we're really called to be committed. See, I think Paul is changing our perspective on just simply going to church. We are actually being told it's far more important than simply going. It's being planted. Really be, being committed um, one pastor says, "Are you stop going to church and start being the church. I like that. I, I think that's the, the way in which I think we should see things. Um, in, uh, in the Psalms, yeah, I think it was in, it's in Psalm uh, 92. This is what it says. The writer says, The righteous person will flourish like the palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. So the psalmist is describing this person that's growing, this righteous person in right relationship with God, who is flourishing because of one thing, they're planted. We cannot flourish as a follower of Christ until we're planted. you got to get planted. So the question is, where are you planted where have you decided to allow yourself to be planted? It could be here. It could be another community of Christ followers called the church. 
It, it could be a lot of places, but we need to be planted. And one of the things Paul's telling us here is that the way in which we find ourselves planted in order to flourish is to see ourselves as three things. We're no longer strangers, no longer aliens. We all belong. We're all part of the church. But we are now fellow citizens with the saints. We're part of God's household. We're part of God's family. And we're also uh, members of a building. We're fitted together, growing. These stones, these, 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 these pieces of stone that are carved out and set within a holy temple, a building. You're being built together into a holy temple of God. So Paul uses these three metaphors to describe the level of commitment that he desires us to have with one another. So we can begin asking the question, how, how committed really are we uh, in the church. And, and here's, here's what we learn. First thing is, is citizenship. The idea of citizenship, I think, brings a, a sense of identity, doesn't it? When you're a citizen of an, a nation, you identify. You find a lot of identity of who you are from uh, your citizenship. Uh, I remember a good friend of mine's a wife from Sweden. She's from Sweden, and she came to America, and they are married. And, and now many years later... She became a United States citizen. She had to learn the history of the United States. She had to understand uh, uh, just the values and laws and importance of of following those laws in the United States. All of this went into this process of citizenship. And as she learned the history, she learned that we are a caring nation. I mean, we were from the very beginning. And we're a a country of of immigrants, and we have laws and doctrines that that, uh, really guide us to be caring towards the marginalized, not only in our own country, but around the world. It's part of who we are. It's part of our identity. It's how we live as citizens of this country. And I think what Paul is saying is that citizenship gives you a unique identity, an identity with Christ. We are, as Paul says in Philippians 3.20, we're citizens of heaven, but really we're dual citizens, aren't we? You're a citizen here on this earth as a member of the human race, but you're also a citizen of heaven. And you maintain that, that, that dual citizenship, that dual perspective that helps you, that enables you, and gives you a very clear understanding of your identity as a member of this church, a member of the body of Christ. That you are here for a greater purpose than just self-consumption. There's something else going on. You are a contributor. You're part of it. You're, part, you're a citizen of heaven means that it's far greater than simply living out the rest of your life. That God has given you something else to do. And maintaining that perspective of your citizenship enables you to have a new perspective on the purpose of why God has you here. The second thing is, look, look what Paul does. He moves from citizenship. He says, you're part of the household of God. You're part of this family. You're part of a structure. And the structure is a family. And family brings validation. It gives you validity. It gives you this level of encouragement because you are part of a family. Um, Children need that, right? From a very early age, they need to be validated by their parents. And I saw this uh, a couple weeks ago with our grandson. And uh, we, we were all over watching our kind of helping our daughter and her husband move into their new apartment. And, and our little grandson, August, grabbed a hold of two 
little cars that our daughter uh, has, and she had them up on a shelf, and he pulled them down, and one is a little London bus that reminds her of her time in London one summer, and another is a New York cab, which reminds her of the years that she lived in New York City. And so he was playing with them, and all of a sudden, I've never seen him do this before, he brought them together, and they collided. You know how little kids do that? And so he took two cars, and they came together, and as soon as they came together, the back end of the London bus disintegrated, just like, boom, shattered. I guess it wasn't made for that. And I was, I was like, whoa, did you see that? And I felt so bad for my middle daughter because these are two really important pieces of memory for her. I mean, this, this reminds her of some, some really, really significant experiences in her life. And, uh, and I remember his face, like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? I just broke something. I was like the first thing I've ever seen him break. And it just, it came apart. And he looked like he just, he just knocked over all the furniture or something. I mean, something really, really bad. And uh, the first thing he wanted to do is he turned to his mom and ran to his mom for validation. We need that kind of validation. We do. We really do. We need to be validated for who we are. And we run to the Father. We're, we're told to run to the Father. We are validated by the Father. But we're also validated by one another because we're a member of the family. And that we can't do that alone. You get something when you're committed. You get validation. You're, you're, you're part of us. We value you. Yeah, I recognize that maybe you're on a tough journey. Maybe you're coming back. Maybe you're struggling right now. But we need that encouragement like a family brings. The third thing that I see is um, this idea of a stone in a building. And uh, the thing that I see about that is this, this idea that uh, even though we are part of the building, what's the foundation? It's not us, is it? It's the cornerstone. Jesus is the, Jesus is the foundation. And because Jesus is the foundation, each of the uh, stones fit around that the point is Jesus brings our authority. When we're together and we focus on Christ, we have a greater authority in our lives. In most cultures, determining what's right and wrong does not come from the individual, but from the community. Most cultures understand that a community helps with authority to determine what is right and what is wrong, how to live our lives. And in the Jesus community, we as a stone, as a member, with Christ as the foundation, uh, we understand we have a new authority. And for some of us, we need that. For all of us, we need that. We need that authority in our lives. We need that to help us, encourage us to continue to grow and understand what's right and wrong. So the church is valuable but we've got to be committed. And as you notice in these, by the way, just another thought, each one of them builds on the other. And so we're deepening our commitment to one another as we move from citizenship to family to a stone. We get something. Identity, validity, and authority. It's what it means to be committed. And I, and I know that um, there's a lot of us in this room that have experienced Different things in the context of the church. 
I was I wrote a little bit of my own story down this morning, and I remember a time uh, when I was really hurt in the context of a church that um, that really impacted me, and it was the time in my life I felt like I walked away, and I decided I think I'm going to step back away from the church, and I look back now, and that was the worst time of my life. I would I did not do well alone. I said, you know, if this, if this is what it's like, I don't think I want anything to do with it. And I pulled away. And I just, I began walking, literally backing up. And as I backed up, it was the worst time, not the best time. I recognized no matter the pain in the past, no matter the, the challenges of the present, we need each other. And there's a call to commitment, as Paul describes it here. And the commitment is to continue to stay connected and committed to the local body. So what do I want to do this morning? I want to give you a chance to share some of your story. Because I know there's a lot of stories here. And uh, uh, I want to turn us into groups this time. And, uh, and then we're going to close and have some worship and communion. But just take a few minutes, would you? Just, I would love for you to turn to people right next to you. And share your experiences. Where are, you, where are you at? Why are you here? What drew you here? What's your story? How you got to this place? How you became a part of this body, this local body, the church? Would you do that for a few minutes? I just, wanted, I want, I just want us to do that. And then um, I want to turn to communion, and then uh, we'll close. So let's just take a minute right now from where you're sitting. Just kind of turn around, introduce yourself. And maybe just share a little bit of your story.
to a time of communion. offering a prayer and uh, I wanted to pray for my brother-in-law Bob Pike but I wanted Bob to let you know what he's doing because he's part of our body he's part of the church the local church he's part of the universal church as a member of Christ and uh, Bob is trained and equipped to do far more than just simply be here and uh, it's exciting to hear Bob what you're up to and how God is using you and how we get to participate in this. So let people know, would you, just for a minute, what you're up to? Sure. So um, there's a church plant that began just a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, in what we call the Gateway, which is now, the church is, is now actually not meeting in the Gateway, but it's meeting in downtown Torrance, in um, kind of old Torrance. And they're trying to be sort of a presence there where there hasn't been a lot of churches or Christian influence for a while. There are some churches, of course, not too far from there. But they want to be sort of, sort of in the heart of it, down there. And they lost their pastor. They're struggling. It's a small church. And they were looking for somebody to come and help teach or preach uh, every week. Well, I said, well, I can't do every week, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. So they have another guy. There's a professor at Biola who has agreed to come. He's taking half the load, and I'm taking half the load. And so this was my week off. Last week I was preaching. Next week I will preach. And, uh, but I told him, I said, I'm not really a preacher per se. I'm much more of a teacher. And I said, if that's okay with you, then great. And I said, you know, I'll come and I'll start, and if you don't like it, and you don't think I'm a good fit for you guys, you're free to tell me. I got more to I got more on my plate than I can say grace over now anyway. So and same with me. If I kind of come and it's not such a great fit, then I'll let you know. And so far it's been great. It's been wonderful. Uh, this other guy, a professor at Biola, is there this week, as I mentioned, and he's a great guy too. So we're kind of splitting the load, and I feel like right. I'm a little on loan from the River Church to yeah. this church, which is struggling and trying to make it. So we'd yeah. certainly appreciate your prayer. I love that. Let's pray. Let's pray for Bob. So this little church, Gateway Church, we're praying, Father, that you would use uh, Bob and uh, his teaching and all the skills and talents that he has learned, um, the truth of your word and the ability to be able to communicate that and encourage this group of people. And uh, it's a local body and uh, uh, it's believers gathering together to remember the resurrection and to um, reflect on uh, all that they have and to praise you, Lord. And so we pray, God, that you would use uh, Bob in this situation and uh, in this church and to help grow it and encourage it and to develop its leadership uh, so that it can continue to thrive for the South Bay and for Torrance. And we just thank you, Father. So we uh, just pray for strength for Bob and um, the ability to, to manage his work during the week as well as his, uh, uh, his ministry on Sunday in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thanks, Bob.